This is Joe Liberty. I'm here with Melanie Sinclair, and we are Freedom Cartel. Melanie. Yes. How you doing today? Doing good. Yeah, looking forward to uh, a little St. Patrick's Day this weekend. Isn't that your favorite time of year? It is my favorite holiday of the year. Yeah. It's a super fantastic holiday for a super fantastic sunny Friday, the end of the week. The end of a super fantastic week. Everything is just super fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking at my crystal ball, and I'm <laughs> starting to see some car bombs in your near future. Oh, my gosh. How many Irish car bombs did we have uh, last, last year? year? I think it was 72 that were, were on my tab. But there were 72? 72, I believe, <laughs> that I bought How much does 72 car bombs cost? I mean, you figure at uh, 8 bucks a pop. <laughs> wow. About 500 and... Eighty-something dollars, five hundred ninety-something dollars. That's impressive. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, it's a proud, shining moment in my, in my life. Yeah, but you're not drinking much anymore. <laughs> but you're going to be drinking on St. Patrick's Day. That's right. You that's save right. up all year now. So I you. do, and I, I'm going to have to start working out to this and, and getting back on my, yeah, my big time diet and all that stuff. I, I've taken a few weeks off. I've been having a good time. I, I, I fell off the wagon in, uh, in Costa Rica. I think so, that happens in Costa Rica. Oh my gosh! So I mean, it's just like you, you just drink a drink a lot of beer, sit out by the ocean, sit out by the ocean, drink me some Florida Cognac and Coca Light. Did you take yourself a woman? I did. I mm-hmm. my girlfriend went and uh, mm-hmm. drank a little bit of a little bit of alcohol, a little Costa Rican moonshine. Well, it sounds mm-hmm. like fun times. It was fun times. It was fun times. The uh, you're not a speedo man, are you? <clears throat> yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I like my speedo. I like to clip uh, <laughs> <laughs> clip my leg hairs, but I, I keep uh, it. I keep it uh, really fuzzy. <laughs> you go butt. for the 1970s swag. I, I am Joe Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's funny. So last week was really awesome. We had a lot of stuff going on with uh, the Rand Paul filibuster. How beautiful was that? It was epic. I, I like the fact that the news media outlets are saying the word epic. They're saying Rand Paul's filibuster was epic. Judge Napolitano said that uh, he was uh, a superstar, a superhero. I mean, he was like a superhero, and, and you know that you're a superhero when the establishment right uh, starts attacking you, and it still doesn't do them a whole lot of good. They they're realizing they're losing their grip on America. They're realizing that they they don't have the control anymore, and the people aren't listening to them anymore, which is just glorious. Lindsey Graham and John McCain, the... Boehner. Oh, gosh. Boehner. John Boehner. They didn't know what to do with their filibuster. And the fact that Marco Rubio and uh, Mike Lee and... Uh, I'm not sold on Rubio. I'm not either. Uh, Ted Cruz. I'm liking Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is uh, cruising on along. He's a little hawkish Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Israel, but... Besides that, I, I think he's he's got some potential. He's a great speaker. He's not afraid to to stir the pot a little bit. Much and like Rand. Much like Rand. Rand and Ron uh, campaigned with Ted Cruz. I was following Ted Cruz's campaign. He had a, an amazing speech at the Voter Value Summit a couple of years ago, where he just rocked it. And he's got a he got a great story about when he was the Attorney General of Texas. 
I believe it was Columbia. There was a Colombian girl who was who was murdered, and I don't want to mess up the story because I don't have it. In, like I, I don't remember it in that great of detail. But to make a long story short, uh, he defended uh, U.S. sovereignty and Texas sovereignty uh, while George Bush was opposing him and saying that uh, we should follow international law and, and Texas should have to follow international international law and not Texas law. Mm-hmm. And Ted Cruz argued it to the Supreme Court and won in the Supreme Court against President George Bush. So he wasn't afraid to uh, you know, fight the establishment. Uh, he wasn't afraid to fight the then Republican president, which for many Republicans would have been his, you know, his boss. But uh, he said, you know, he's taking his marching orders from the Constitution. He realizes the importance of sovereignty, of state sovereignty and of, uh, of the Tenth Amendment. And uh, I think that's uh, that's an honorable thing. Um, his uh, his his wife is a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, which is always a red flag to me. But you know that's not the. I don't get this opposite attracts and like marriages. I I could no more wake up with somebody that is a full Obama supporter. <laughs> I mean, I just a pillow would end up over their face in the middle huh. of the night at some point. I'm just saying. Oh, you're right. I'm with you. <laughs> Well, you got to think about the Council of Foreign Relations. Yeah. I don't think it's a – that's not a liberal thing per se. Yeah, it's a, but George Soros is on it, and they're yeah, like, you know, lo- Mary Tyler Moore. You're starting to – you know, it's a it's – Angelina a, Jolie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the big UN, you know, um, creepy people. And well, so the, the Rockefellers are behind it too. Right. You know, I just – you know, I just – I don't know if I'd put my name on that council. That's uh, all I'm saying. I wouldn't either. By any means, I'm not a big supporter of the UN anyway. So, yeah, ni- neither am I. But you know, either way, she's she's a member of the Council for Relations, which to me is something that I kind of look at and think, okay, what's this about? You know, we we kind of know, we kind of know their basic foreign policy if they're council members and what they want. I mean, it's ultimately looking for a yeah. for a uh, world government. But I mean, that doesn't mean that she's for a world government by any means. I mean. She could just be, uh, you know, a lot of people join these groups. It's like joining uh, an association and saying, okay, because you're a member of this association, you support everything they do and all the members. Uh, You know, their mission statement might be good. Uh, On the surface, they might be doing a lot of good things. It could just be a top-down thing to where at the the very top. uh, That's where it starts to get seedy. Exactly. And and, then the organization as a whole has a good meaning and good purpose. So that, that could be what it is. But uh, besides that, I think Ted Cruz is solid. Uh, now, what about the Rand Paul filibuster now? I mean, how incredible was that? And I will say that I, I think at least maybe once or twice in my radio <laughs> career was like on air for 13 hours. But I got to at least go to a commercial break. And or you were sitting, weren't you? Yeah, sitting. I mean, there's like a lot of other, you know, comforts that I still had in order to do that. I think I even got to eat lunch, right? And he was up there with like, what, was it a Snickers bar or a Mars bar or something? Yeah, came pouring Milky out Way bar, right. Um, but that was awesome. I thought that was, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of him. Now, I, I really wish that he would have honed home a little bit more with the, the message that the whole point of the drones and the president, yes, as he said, it was, you know, Bill of Rights Constitution, but it was, does the American government have the right to kill an American citizen? And that was never really fully asked or answered by the White House. He he did put it in towards... They, they do have the right to kill an American citizen. 
Yeah, I think that's what. I, and you're correct. I had, I had a little problem with that also. Uh, I think the point was bigger. It was it was shining a spotlight on it, and there's and, 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 a lot, and, and, of and now a lot of people it. see it. But I, I agree with what you're saying because no, they didn't come out and said that they said enemy combatant. And the reality is, the definition of a imminent attack is is so ambiguous and has changed from what what we think as an imminent threat. Uh, in the past, the legal definition of imminent threat and, and what they're saying it is now. So he didn't get into that, but I mean that's kind of that's kind of like uh, arguing to the American people some something in you know nuclear physics or something because you start getting into the details of definitions of of words which are very important to people like us. You know what do they mean by this? But it would it would just yeah. go over the average American person's head. And, and think about this: the average American person had never really uh, heard of or understood. Uh, drones. They didn't know really what's going on. I mean, we've been screaming about it for the last year, but most people don't know that you know by 2020 we're going to have 30,000 drones flying over our heads. And the and the biggest threat right now to our civil liberties are the drones that are going to be flying over our heads. And so it's something that we need to tackle. And Rand Paul, just uh, just like his dad did, he changed the discussion in Washington. He changed the discussion to okay, let's look at the legality of these drones. These things are coming, whether we like it or not. You know what can we do to protect our civil liberties? What can we do to protect our our lives? You know, are we okay with drones being able to assassinate American citizens uh, with Hellfire missiles from the sky? Are we okay with the president, uh, whoever it is, Republican or Democrat, being able to, uh, at the stroke of a pen, decide the the fate of an American citizen? Yeah, right. Uh, without trial, without due process. So, you know, those are the questions and arguments that we should be having, and and that his his filibuster. Uh, shined a, a big light on, and I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know if you saw the CPAC, uh, his speech at the CPAC, but that was pretty awesome. Uh, he got up there, and he was like, oh, they only gave me 10 minutes, but just in case, we need 13 hours, and he brings up all these you know, notebooks and stuff, in case I need to t- you know, speak for 13 hours, and the, the crowd just went nuts. Um, and he gave uh, a heck of a speech, uh, in, in basically referred about the drones and whether we still have a constitution and bill of rights and will we defend it were his points to the president that's what he wanted answered and you know and i think he uh you know did a pretty good job holding their nose to the fire uh he also brought up the ndaa you know here we there you know we have no jury at this point you can capture anybody and Put them in concentration camps or whatever you're going to call rehabilitation camps and um, whatever. So he's already, you know, Obama has the history of you know killing our constitution along with George Bush. George Mm -hmm. Bush had the exact you know same problem, Um, and he also referred to the fact that uh, you know as he's doing all this to us and you know shutting down the government, um, he's turning around and giving 250 million dollars to Egypt. And he had some suggestions on some cuts, you know, talking referring to the sequester, uh, and I thought you would find um, them pretty humorous. He said that they uh, are spending three million dollars to study monkeys on meth. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> interesting. He's like, yeah, he's like, here, let me save you three million dollars. Monkeys on meth are like people on meth, crazy. <laughs> So $300,000 for a robotic squirrel to wag its tail in order to see the whole study for the $300,000 was to see if the squirrel 
if it did not wag its tail, would the snake still strike? So $300,000 of government you know, taxpayer money were spent on this. You know. So uh, my question is, did the snake strike? I'm kind of curious now. Well, you know, he didn't um, He didn't say how it uh, came out, but he said, let me save you the $300,000. The dadgum snake's going to strike whether it wags its tail or not. Okay. Um, and then there was one more, which is basically you get to be paid $5,000 as a participant, uh, an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii to participate, and the only requirement is you have to like food. And... That's what it costs, basically. It's a free trip to Hawaii, five thousand dollars, probably, probably per day. A menu for when we colonize Mars. They'd come up with a menu <clears throat> for when we go to Mars <clears throat> and find aliens, and we're going to set up restaurants over there. What are we going to serve? Really? Seriously. <coughs> And these Amazing. are some of the things that he pointed out in his uh, CPAC uh, speech. You should really take a look at it. it yeah, really, I can't wait to hear it. It's only 10 minutes long? I don't know. I thought it was a little longer than 10 minutes. But it was a very good speech, <coughs> and the audience was Loved loving it. it. Yeah, he's, he's winning the poll right now on uh, on Fox News on who they think or who we think will be the – who we want to win the 2016 uh, – Republican primary. Well, Nepal, uh, Napolitano, Judge Napolitano says that the CPAC is the litmus test for <clears throat> the 2016 uh, primaries. And yeah. hmm. he felt that uh, Rand Paul and Rubio were the two that are the, super, yeah, the superstars. Now, whether the Boehners, the McCains, and uh, those weird as federal people um, they call themselves republicans um i think that uh, certainly not they're going to do everything they can to make sure Rand paul or rubio which i'm, I'm not a big rubio fan so mm-hmm. i'm not on that bandwagon but i would like to see Rand paul run for president matter of fact it would be kind of interesting a paul and cruz uh ticket <laughs> it would be very interesting a paul cruz ticket you know i'm not a big big fan of rubio I, i'm not sold on him yet but uh, uh you know if Rubio turns out to be halfway decent, uh, you know, a, a Paul Rubio ticket would be a big selling ticket because you have the Latino market. And, um, you know, Rubio as VP wouldn't be that bad either. Ted Cruz, though, um, I guess he's not. Uh, is he Hispanic? I don't know what he is. I know he um, might be. Cruz is kind of a, a Hispanic. Uh, name. Gonna talk but then I started thinking of like Penelope Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I like Penelope Cruz. Yeah, um, I bet you do. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think that would be a good a good ticket, though. The Either Cruz and, uh, or Paul Cruz, Paul Rubio. I would support either one of those tickets. Um, I would prefer Paul Cruz. But, you know, the, the, the issues that I think that a lot of the libertarians are going to have are going to be the war issues. You know, how hawkish is Ted Cruz going to be? You know, is he going to be a super hawk? Just like, you know, he, he had some really tough talk uh, against Kerry and against uh, Hagel, asking them specifically about Israel. Uh, well, he, he had real tough talk for Hagel and, and made a lot of suggestions about Hagel. They, uh, they likened him to McCarthy, McCarthyism. 
wow. um, back in the fifties. And and he's got to watch that. You know, you can't just go throwing throwing stones and rocks without back. You know, right. uh, you know, it's one thing on the radio for us to attack someone's character, but <laughs> I mean, the reality is. Uh, Whenever, when, whenever a senator is sitting up there, we, they should be treated with a s- certain amount of respect. And uh, someone like Hegel, who has two Purple Hearts, I think deserves something. You know, you don't just go and and say, "Hey, are you supporting terrorism? Are you are you part of this whole terror? You know, are you part of this whole terrorist organization?" It was basically basically what he was alluding to. He was saying, you know, because Hegel spoke out against Israel. <clears throat> and I think rightfully so, but since he spoke out against Israel, that uh, he's some kind of bad person, and, and you know I don't I don't necessarily think that is that it's true. Uh, saying that Israel has committed war crimes uh, is not something that should keep you from being the Secretary of State. I mean, speaking the truth, I guess it goes back to Ron Paul's statement: "Truth is treason in the empire of lies." <laughs> yeah, you know? right. I mean, that's that that is a truthful statement. I mean, should we stand by Israel? Sure, we should stand by Israel. Uh, should we, if as long as they're doing what's right, they they should be our ally. But you know, should we follow them blindly and support them blindly when they're, uh, you know, just slaughtering people just like we as american citizens we don't stand and follow our government blindly as they're slaughtering people with their drone strikes it's not the people say it's anti-semitic it has nothing to do with that it has to do with uh killing of innocent people is it worth it and i'm going to side on the the side of freedom and liberty and peace uh most of the time because i i don't think that our foreign policy over the last 20 years is, is the right foreign policy it's a policy of aggression it's a policy of preemptive wars and you know 12 years of non-stop war is grueling uh, on, a, on a country it's grueling on the, the the military everybody's pretty much tired of it everybody in america and everybody in the world they're like can we just stop this like what are we doing and they're not even taking care of our soldiers at all no, i mean, I mean our, and yeah. they're they're leaving them out to to dry it's just awful Absolutely. but i will say that the, the seat Pack uh, speech that Rand Paul gave was calling for a new GOP leadership, and it was pretty pretty strong. He said we you know, need a new course and new leadership in government. And he said, you know, yeah, right to bear arms, yeah, we need to protect it, but before we can protect that one, we have to protect the Fourth Amendment, which is you know properties seizures of unreasonable search and seizure of property. And um, so with that said, we've also have got some other stuff that we were talking about today. Um, the Senate Bill 47 in the House, it was recognized as H.R. 4970, which is the uh, domestic violence. Um, what's it called? Violence Against Women Reauthorization Act of 2013 that just passed, which is being accused of uh, being very highly unconstitutional and it is not only is it passed the Senate and the House it even has the President's signature on it yeah interesting bill uh, I'm just kind of now becoming aware of it more uh, you know kind of what it is I guess Clinton signed it into, into office what 1994 and they were signed again in what 2000 and 2005 I believe it was it was kept, kept being re-upped this newest version uh, makes it to where if you're 
arrested for domestic violence on Indian land, you don't you're not afforded constitutional rights, which uh, is very interesting. Um, it also says that it, it alludes to the idea that if you have hateful talk to your wife and you call her names that you you, you go to you go to prison you know the, that's part of the part of the bill so the sexual assault the uh, sexual harassment or the sexual abuse yeah god forbid I've been in some arguments with my, my girlfriends in the past of course they called me names too but I, I definitely <laughs> called them some names <laughs> and I, I can't imagine going to you know, getting a domestic violence charge for that. Shoot, I mean, just think about what we call Nancy Pelosi when we're off air. I mean, uh, does yeah. that mean that uh, all of a sudden we're now like being sexual abusers? Yeah, exactly. And, and you have to ask too. I mean, here's the here's the thing. And you know, I, I truly believe this: that if someone were to be arrested for something like that, I mean, it's, it's a Supreme Court type case, you know, is this constitutional? I, I don't think that it would hold up because we do have a First Amendment right and we do have freedom of speech. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that something like that would or could hold up to our Supreme Court. Well, it's, you know, what this kind of really, if you really want to take a little, just go one more realm out, uh, this is mental abuse. If you look at all the you know mental things that they're talking about with the Second Amendment, you mm-hmm. know, having the rights to bear arms, this would be considered mental abuse. So if you go call me those four letter words anymore, Joe Liberty, yes, then you are mentally abusing me, and therefore you are going to have to lose your rights to bear arms. So, yeah, good, good luck with that. Good luck with that. This is a bill that if they if they come at us hardcore, you know, we'll we'll start our activist groups and we'll we'll fight it in court because it's it's a you know it's it's an attack on man on men number one. I think. I think well, it's, it's a hardcore it does include transvestites, transgenders, and homosexuals. In right, this, so even though it's, it's regarded as a women's reauthorization. Yeah, but it's protecting the feminine. Uh, side, you know, it's protecting the, the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's protecting women. Gay dudes are just like women, pretty much, except they. Well, <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. Can, can I ask how you know this? Well, I'm just saying. I mean, like, you, you know, you you get what I'm saying. They're, well, sort of. I they're, I have no problem with gay people. I'm just saying that, that they're obviously feminine. But uh, I was just want to enjoy watching you shovel your way out of that one. Yeah, but all these women's rights stuff—I mean, it gets yeah—it gets a little exhausting to someone like me who who believes in equal rights. Well, I so totally it, believe in equal rights. I don't believe in women's rights. I don't believe in men's rights. I believe in equal rights all the way across the board. Equal rights with gays. Equal rights with lesbians. Equal rights with everyone. That's what it is to be a libertarian, and people that are that way, uh, you would be considered a libertarian it's you know freedom and equality to that regards and this one does not do that Um, this is basically a coordinated effort by law enforcement judicial personnel the public and private sector to meet the needs of victims of domestic and sexual violence since 1995 $4.7 billion has been awarded in grants and cooperative agreements by the Office of Violence Against Women, which is a federal office. This is another constitutionality thing, I think, that um, 
it uh, approaches, which is taking something that was already local and state government and then giving federal jurisdiction over that, which therefore makes it a federal crime, which is federal time and federally supported. Yeah, you know, what's what's interesting about what you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm against this from a, from a few different angles. Obviously, I don't like the whole um, women's right angle. I, it just rubs me the wrong way because I believe in equal rights. Uh, but that said, the idea that you take it, take something like this out of local and state and give it, you know, federal powers, which, I mean, since this happened back in 1994, the federal government hasn't jumped in that much, hasn't been that bad. But it could be, and, and any time you give the government more and more power, there's there's a problem because, you know, ultimately the way things are, I'm not saying this is right, but federal law trumps state law, you know, whether we like it or not. That's the that's the society that we live in. That's the country that we live in. And the only time that state law trumps federal law is when it's convenient for everybody to agree on it. <laughs> right? I mean, if everybody, oh, yeah, state, it's, it's a state issue. Okay, well, it's a state issue because you're just saying it's a state issue. If you wanted to make it a federal issue, you could, but it doesn't really benefit you to make it a federal issue. So that's why we keep it at the state level. Let's just be honest about saying that. But, you know, this is a... This should be a state issue, and, and the government is, is, has a lot of power right now. And you know, the more and more power that we give them, when the time comes for them to really uh, take it away, and I'm not saying it's going to happen now. I'm not going to say this. I'm not saying it's going to happen in a year, five years, ten years. I don't know when it's going to happen. I know that one day it's going to happen. It might, even, it might not even happen in, in my lifetime, in our lifetime. But there could be a day where uh, the government gets so powerful that they try to take our rights away. It is a scary, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a thought that we, we should always have when protecting our liberties, the idea that, you know, we are one or two major terrorist attacks away from martial law. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that idea that, you know, Rand Paul right now is spreading the message of liberty and freedom. It's a beautiful thing, and I think people are finally waking up to the idea that, you know, we do have individual rights in America. That's what makes America such a great country yeah I think that he's he spread those ideas uh, over the years with you know because of his his dad Ron Paul and Ron Paul really spread the message of, of freedom and liberty and and, and and it kind of caught fire and he always said an idea is, uh, whose time has come can't be stopped by any army or government or anything but you know is it going to be too late I mean it is a message getting out there too late and, I, and last week Rand Paul did more with his filibuster than you know anything that's ever happened in uh, in our country? I think, and at least in my lifetime, I mean, he 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 galvanized uh, a group. I mean, CNN came out and, and mentioned you know is Rand Paul the new leader of the Republican Party? And that's a hard pill for for guys like John McCain and, and Lindsey Graham to swallow. But you know you have to understand that this is a guy with the most conservative member of the Senate. I mean, he is uber conservative he's anti-war they keep saying uh isolationist which he's not an isolationist they don't get the difference between isolationism and non-interventionism and ron paul made that very clear back in the 2007 debates but that hasn't seemed to, to take hold like i can't wait for Rand to explain it 
But Rand now has the microphone. All the you know, the spotlight is now on Rand. The spotlight is now he on the drones, it. and he is now in control of the conversation. And what they don't like about Rand is he makes such logical, easy to understand analogies and stories that can explain why liberty, why freedom, why personal responsibility, why the individual uh, should be respected, and why we should defend the Constitution, and why we shouldn't just go to these wars so quickly without an authorization, and why we shouldn't uh, give up our Fourth Amendment rights, and, and really why we should protect our Constitution. And he's the first person since, yeah, I mean, th that has had a microphone Mm-hmm. Since when? I mean, do we have what, Goldwater back in 1964? When, when is the last time we have had somebody like him? With that, a microphone? Yes. I mean, look what they did to Ron Paul. I mean, they literally, they were making fun of him. He was the bathroom jokes. I mean, and it's like <clears throat> they find our Constitution and our Bill of Rights erosion funny, and it's just disgusting. But, yeah, uh, Rand is, uh, is the bomb on this, but I will also say that with this Senate 47 Violence Against Women Reauthorization Act of 2012, it is also burden of proof is put on the accused, which therefore goes right along with the democratic democracy rule, and that is is that you are guilty until you are proven innocent. Yeah, it's be but that's because it's a... It's a higher power type thing. I mean, government is God, right, to, to most people. I mean, you do what the government says or else, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, they're slowly and, – and I'm not this big uh, overzealous Christian that says, you know, we should have all these uh, – we should legislate morality. But, I mean, the reality is that the religion is, is shifting – in the country from a religion of or from, from, from Christianity mm -hmm. to the religion of the government uh, yeah. you know to where the government is is God, is God. and yeah. it's so scary because I you know I, I see the I see the change in the country and, and there are less and less Christians and Christians are to blame if you ask me oh yeah you know you have this new Pope and I actually uh, I've done a little research on the Pope not a lot I'm not a Catholic you're Catholic but he, you know, he was actually the kind of pope that I would hope they would get. He goes out into the communities. He drove the subway to. He rode the subway to, you know, to, to where he went in in Argentina. He he went into the slums and helped the poor people. And he had major community outreach. And he didn't seem too great or grand to be, uh, you know, in with any social class. That's what you need in a pope. That's what Christians need to need to act like yeah but then i mean and i am catholic so i mean i'm going to send an uproar of my family by even saying this but i mean you know i love the pope and i love all the priests and i i think it's wonderful what they do um lord knows that we our community needs these you know kind of people but who it's the catholic community that's paying for these people's existence mm-hmm I mean, it's the church that pays for, you know, these people to eat and live and have housing and have a job. And, and you know, that's one reason why Catholicism was never such a good idea as a government. Communism. I mean, really. But it's in – I think it should be kept, you know, in the Catholic church, 
you know, if the priests want to live in the vow of poverty, then that is their right to choose it, but to vote it in and apply it into everyday people's lives in the community morally, uh, that's when you start losing me. Wait, I, I'm not totally, not getting, totally getting Well, you're talking about the Pope. Mm-hmm. Great guy. He's down. The new Pope Francis the First is down with the community. He's you know he 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 knows what it feels like, but he doesn't know what it feels like to have a mortgage. He doesn't know what it feels like to have to wonder where his meal is coming from the next day. Mm-hmm. His life is it, it's it's welfare. It's it's a church welfare. Mm-hmm. The, the priests, the nuns. The way that they live, their housing, their food, the way that they exist comes from the the Catholics giving money to the church. Mm-hmm. And we're paying for that, which is great and fine. But when you try to do morality into government and where the Catholic Church stands with pushing the government control, uh, they pretty much said everything but vote Obama in the last election. They did not say that, but that was... Oh well, it was highly <clears throat> implied. Um, and anyway, go ahead. Did I just throw you totally off? I mean, were no. you talking about something else? No, that was fine. You were actually, confused. I, I was a little confused, <laughs> I, I, but I wanted to understand what you were saying. Did, I, did I make it clear? Yeah, I understand now. That makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot about that. I, I don't know. Like, I, I like the idea. I, I understand what you're saying about the the church being uh, basically a, a form of welfare for the for the priests and the nuns. That makes that makes sense. Um, Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's what the Catholic Church show chooses to do. No, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. What I was more saying is I, I like the idea that he reaches out to those communities, and that's kind of what he stands for. Because you know, like the, a, a lot of the a lot of Christians uh, go to church, come home, talk crap about other people about how they're not living their lives wrong, and that's it, or mm-hmm. how, how they're not living their lives right, and that's it. At least this guy. Uh, would go out there and and do good things in the community on a regular basis. At least mm. this guy, even though he was in a you know a major position of power, which now he's in one of the most powerful powerful positions in the world. Uh, there's going to be 1.2 billion people looking up to him, and if 1.2 billion people are looking up to him, and he says, you know what, go volunteer, go help. This is what the church is about. That's a good message, not only for uh, the church and Christianity, but it's a good message for anyone. Uh, who wants Absolutely. to wants to l- look at a way to live life? I mean, if uh, the the problem with Christianity and the problem with Catholicism is a lot of times it turns people away because it's so judgmental, it's so stuck up. Uh, the last, actually, I'm, I don't want to say anything bad about the last pope. I, I don't know what what his heart is, but you know, he seemed a little super conservative. You know, it just nobody was, could relate to him. Nobody could relate to him. This guy. You know, the, the the pope before John Paul, um, yeah, John Paul II. He was awesome. I mean, like, he was the only pope for my generation. He was the. I mean, when we were born, he was pretty much pope until <laughs> the time he died. So our my generation, Generation X, that's the only pope we've really known. Yeah, and he was. So. You know, he had he had an energy about him. This last pope didn't have a whole lot of energy. It was very. They starched his underwear too much. Right. I mean, it was very strict. It, it was not inviting. So, Where you were going with this, you were talking about it as Christian's fault in a way. 
and this is how you began on this, which is the reason why when I you talking about the Pope and you know because that was the big thing this week. Francis the first was appointed, and I will tell you, every news station covered it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize there were so many Catholics in uh, in the media. I mean, obviously, because most Baptists I know, you know, think I'm going to hell because I worship Mary, which I don't worship Mary. I adore Mary, but there is a difference, and they don't seem to understand it. So, but you were saying it was Christianity's uh, Christians' fault. What were you saying? Do you remember what you were you were you were saying? Uh, was it voting the morality? Um, you know, into. I can't even remember what you were taught. You were you'd started off on some other blaming Christians. Well, I'm not saying I blame Christians. I I, I don't remember exactly what I was saying. Uh, what the what the subject exactly was about, <laughs> but <laughs> we left that ship. Yeah, but if I'm saying blame right. Christians, I'm saying that Christians need to be uh, cognitive of the things that they say and their actions because if they want other people to become Christians which ultimately is what every Christian wants they need to be inviting and uh, you know I hope this Pope seems very inviting he seems very people who aren't Christians might look to this guy and say you know what if that's what a Christian is I want to be that Yeah. and you know that is that is how I believe people Christians should live their lives they should be role models on how to live not yes. judgmental, not legislating morality, not going and pushing their agenda, and that's what I have a problem with. That's what I was trying to say is that I think that the way like the Catholic Church is run is very communistic, and I don't think that that same mindset belongs in politics. I think that's right. – for me, that's the separation of church and state. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with – you know, the way that priests are taken care of, Lord knows we need more people like that in the world and whatnot. I'm all for that. I just, that was my whole point. It's just to make sure that when you walk in, you can't take your Christianity and enforce it down other people's throats. Well, you know, it's something interesting, and I agree with that. Uh, on another subject, though, uh, something interesting that's going on right now is is, is that. I'd heard Ted Cruz and uh, Dianne Feinstein debate yesterday. It was pretty heated, actually. Wow. Uh, Feinstein had a nice little response to it, and I could tell that she was does not like Cruz. She's like, I've been here for 20 years. You're a freshman senator. You know, that type of thing. Oh. Uh, you don't need she to, could at least be a how, Mrs. Robinson. Basically, don't lecture me about the Constitution. <laughs> and uh, you know, then she, she, she went on to... Uh, Basically, uh, the argument were, were <clears throat> how did they put it? Ah, rights are not uh, absolute. And that's their thing. They're saying that, hey, th- these rights are not absolute rights. You don't have the absolute right to bear arms. No, God gives you that absolute right. Right. The government can't give you absolute. I know. It's amazing. So so they're, they're saying that these, li- these rights are not absolute and that uh which is where the war if you really look at it that's really what it is it's christians versus these and, and i am not like i think that yes god gives you that absolute right but that i don't believe that the government can take those things away i, I don't either and, and then it's it, much less it's the same you know the left can't push their agenda as much as the far right shouldn't be pushing theirs either well i agree and it, and it, and it becomes a you know, especially when they're pushing morality agendas, and, and some of the things that I have a problem with are using the Constitution 
uh, when it's convenient for them. Like, you know, saying, oh, we should we should defend the Constitution here and let's rally the Constitution people. And then, no, we don't need to worry about it here. Uh, and, and their argument, you know, the, the, the Second Amendment right is an absolute. They were proud to say that our rights were an absolute. I could see uh, Schumer was just, you know, so happy to bring that up. Like, our rights are an absolute. You know, like, he's just so happy. But um, he's one of the – is he Jewish, Schumer, with the last name of Schumer, or is he uh, German? I'm pretty sure he's Jewish. Um, he see, was, that's the kind of that's the kind of Jewish thinking that lands you in a concentration camp. Oh, no, and I just want to I, I want to go over there and go. You poor dear, you did not learn anything from your people's suffrage. Exactly, uh, that, and, you know. But then you'd be a anti-Semite for saying that, just just for pointing out the truth. That you that know, you should have that, learned something kind of, from it. Yeah, that's the kind of talk that got you guys put in the concentration camp. That's it. I mean, I wonder how that would go over with them, but it's the truth, and you know the. The idea that our rights aren't absolute, it made, me, it, just, it made me think because I saw Al Sharpton a couple weeks ago say the exact same thing. Actually, it was a few weeks ago, talking about drones and Second Amendment rights and things like that. And he said the same thing. So that's, that's, the, new, that's the new push that they're going to be doing is these rights aren't absolute, and they're going to get people saying that. So it's going to be a, a fight for, you know, for, for one side saying that these are absolute rights, the other side saying they're not. Decided that they're saying they're not. They have their argument. I think they they are correct. If you're looking at a technical sense of what the Supreme Court has ruled, the Supreme Court has ruled our rights are not absolute. But uh, I think the Supreme Court is wrong. I think that uh, I think it's an illness. I think it's a mental illness. Well, it is, and 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 they have they have some really good arguments for it. And uh, unfortunately, here's what's cool though. We'll, We'll look at the positive side. Rand Paul is changing the conversation, so people are starting to realize this stuff. These, these are the debates that are going on. We, we can debate. I'll be happy to debate absolute rights, uh, you know, having absolute rights or not having absolute rights. I'll be happy to, to, to debate uh, drone attacks in America as long as we're, we have the discussion because if we're actually debating that, if that's what we're talking about, we're talking about the right things. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're getting the message out. People will have a choice an actual real choice of whether they want to decide that they want to be free, like true free people, or if they want to be be uh, you know held held down by the by the government or by the man. Yeah. So I mean, these are the conversations. Rand Paul changed the discussion last week. Rand Paul has the spotlight, and I think that the Republicans and the Democrats are worried about what he's going to do with that spotlight. You know, what is he going to let out? What is he going to tell? What secrets are going to come out about the government and about the the fact that they've been holding us back and they've been you know they are you know government is the problem. Well, it's we it is the problem, and then it's not purely the problem on the Democrat side, but it has become a problem for the Republican side with the McCains and the Boehners uh, of the world. And you can now lump in, just with this Bill S-47, the violence against women attacking your constitutional rights, mm-hmm. basically, you've got Alexander and Corker voted for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's... You know, Lamar Rand Paul did not. Lamar Alexander, uh, he's running for Senate in a couple of years, and I'm really hoping that we get somebody good to run against him. God, it's time to hang up that plaid. I, I mean, mean, seriously. Yeah, and, and let's look at what he's done. I mean, he is the leading proponent of this Internet sales tax, and he's, he's really pushing for the Internet sales tax. Uh, he's such a staple in Tennessee, though. That's the problem. He's got so much money backing him and so many corporations and so many— It's like trying to get rid of Boss Hogg. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a, an epic fight, but I just, somebody needs to expose him. 
you know, I, I hope a good Tea Party type candidate in Tennessee goes and and runs against them and then runs the correct ads and does the right exposing. I don't think, I really don't think that Lamar Alexander is uh, a bad person. I really don't. I, I'm I, sure he's a very nice man. Yeah, I think he's got a good heart. I think that it's like Al Gore. I'm sure he's a nice man. Let me tell you something about Al Gore. You know, <laughs> I, I have a friend. Uh, I, I agree with you, actually. Uh, I have a friend who was doing some work on Al Gore's house, and Al Gore invited him to uh, <clears throat> Antarctica with him. And my friend couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford the trip. It was it was for a uh, global warming trip meeting with certain scientists seeing how the ice is melting etc cetera, etc cetera. and there were a lot of people that, that were going down there with them tommy lee jones uh and and many others and my friend couldn't afford it and so he gave the trip he told his dad he gave the trip to his dad and so al gore found out that my friend couldn't afford it and he said you know what no no, no. We'll, we'll work something out and made sure both him and his dad could go. Made sure the federal taxpayers paid for him to go to see the polar bears uh, all dying in the Antarctica. Oh, I don't think it was the federal tax kidding. dollars. I know. But uh, I think that we should look at the positive, though, on certain things like this, like when, when they do that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. It's hard. I know, but, I mean, this is, a, this is not a media story. No. This is a, a, a friend who was positively affected by this, and, you know, these, these stories should also be told. I guess the point is that, uh, you know, he went majorly out of his way. He, he told me a lot of the stuff at his house, like how he doesn't, uh, he has to really watch what materials he puts in his house because he's, you know, he's, you know, doesn't support so many of the environmental things. And he actually, you know, kind of stands by that. Yeah, right. And, and so, you know, I, I just kind of look at it like a lot of times we focus on the negative so much. I mean, if you, if you ever get, if you ever see some of the, the, the conservatives out there was like this sucks and 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 this sucks. It's like well, sometimes there are positive things, and a lot of times we'll go attacking people's character just because of the the policies and certain things that they say without knowing what the real heart is behind it. I think that they're just very very ignorant uh, towards their position of yeah, power you know, and how that, it affects the everybody. Deal, though. It, I mean, that's dangerous ignorance. It's da- but, but, but it, it, I mean, it, that's like you know Holocaust kind of mistakes here this is not like easily it's not easily forgive I, and it, it will put it this way can you forgive i'll never forget yeah well I, you should forgive I, I don't think you should ever forget but I, I there is a reason that this has happened over and over and over again in history it's because the more powerful government gets the more powerful you know anyone gets they don't see reality. They, they they lose their principle in a lot of ways. It always happens. Power always corrupts. You want to see the I mean, true nature of a man? You give him some power. There you go. I mean, it's like, and it's just a or a woman. It, it is a natural thing. Power corrupts. And well, look at Thomas Jefferson when he became president. I mean, he kind of he kind of jacked some things up. He was he was great until he became president. You know. And it's just a reality. Power screws things up. So I think people like Lamar Alexander. I don't think he's corrupt. I think he's just lost his way. I mean, he's not a conservative. He's 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 a moderate Republican. You know, very very moderate Republican. He's uh, a Democrat, aka a Democrat. Uh, he would have been a very liberal <laughs> Democrat back in the seventies. You know, compared to some of the things that they're pushing now. But you know, he's he, he needs to be out of there. So I I think that there's going to be there's going to have to be a way to expose him for his voting record without being without coming across too 
you suck Lamar because he's got what I'm saying. He's got a, a large backing. He's got a strong group backing him. Yes, but he's got too many moth holes in his plaid. He's got a lot of moth holes in his plaid. I didn't even know it was plaid anymore. I mean, can you even tell that this? Uh, no, it's rainbow colored. <laughs> oh, he's got some uh, rainbow plaid. I was just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, but I mean, and the same thing. Uh, Marsha Blackburn and Diane Black um, in the House voted for, you know, this, you know, S forty seven, and um, these are Republicans, and they are prancing around pretending that they are something that they aren't, and I have a problem with that. Well, what is? And I'm sure she's a very nice lady. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well. What is her argument for supporting the Defense of Marriage Act? I mean, I'll I'll put it this way: I could I could see Lamar saying he supports this because he's not a conservative; he doesn't even claim to be. But Marsha Blackburn, who claims to be a conservative that wants to give the federal government more power, I mean, it's inexcusable. I mean that's that is the problem. I have more of a problem with her than Lamar on this because we expect it. We expect it from Lamar. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no. you're right. We do. Expect been, it. He's been around for so long. I mean, we totally expect it from Lamar. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, come on, Lamar. You, you expect it from Corker. I mean, Corker is like the the dirtiest. He's like totally just gone Gosh. bonkers with power or yeah, something. It's just power. I mean, power power corrupts. It's it's a jacked really up thing. Really sad, too, and he used his own mother to get there. You know, she put her in, like, all of his commercials. Like, Oh, nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah, they're willing to use their, their own mom to, to climb to this kind of top. I think that just says a whole lot, right? It does. Absolutely does. Well, who, uh, who, who do we have... Uh, who do we have closing out the the day with the music here? Well, we uh, have been playing a little bit of Rebel Inc. Uh, we're liking the Rebel Inc. It's kind of got that rage that we sometimes feel. <laughs> so uh, I think we are going to close out with some Rebel Inc. I'm Joe Liberty. And I'm Melanie Sinclair. We are Freedom Cartel. There was a story told a thousand years ago that the oppressed will break the shackles that take control. The city's going to burn.